The ninth lesson comes from two passages of Scripture, just as we've been looking at two passages of Scripture each week, one from the gospel accounts of Jesus' first coming, and then a parallel passage in Revelation 14. We'll do so again this morning in the ninth lesson beginning in Luke 2. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, and when they saw it, They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Revelation 14. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, blessed indeed, says the Spirit that they may rest from their labors for their deeds, follow them. Brothers and sisters, the grass withers and the flower fades. Peace. The angels announced to these shepherds that there would be peace on earth. Glory to God in the highest, they said, first of all, we're coming to tell you what God says is true in heaven, and it's going to be true on earth. There will be peace on earth. How could that possibly be true? You may not know exactly this morning what peace is, but you know what it's not. It's not what we have experienced In the last several years, it may not be what you are feeling presently. It may be that you have never known peace. So how is it that God, a good God, an all-powerful God who can send angels to the earth, how could He say, there is going to be peace on earth among those with whom God is pleased? And how could it possibly be that it would be as peaceful as John describes it in Revelation 14? He promises that this peace that has come to earth through Jesus Christ remains on earth through the Holy Spirit, that this peace is such that it will outlast all of the sufferings and challenges of this life, including death, and it will outlast life itself. It will take us into the future. What kind of peace is that? It's like an anchor, I think. A number of years ago, a few years ago, a friend took me to Canada to fish for salmon. We were way up north, the northwest part of Canada, and near the open ocean, we were in a little narrow cove where we found some shelter, and the the brochure said that we would be staying on a yacht It was more like a boat. It had been owned, the yacht, they said, had been owned by the Eagles, the 
rock band, the Eagles, but it must have been early in their career. It's more like the SS Minnow. So we were uh, shown our quarters, and, and then uh, the, the steward that night serving the meal said, um, you know, uh, things get rough up here. Storms come up, but don't worry, this ship is anchored. Uh, the, the, the owners of this ship retrieved two anchors that used to hold a, a little lighthouse out way off of the coast of Canada, in the middle of the, uh, near the middle of the ocean. This, these two anchors, massive anchors, could hold that little lighthouse. And so they retrieved them, and they've, they've connected them to this ship. And we couldn't see the anchors, but we could see the chains holding the little boat, and, and it was really impressive. An anchor. What does an anchor do? An anchor is something when it's heavy enough, it goes down, it stays secure to the bottom, and no matter what is happening on the surface of the water, what's happening to the craft above it is connected to it, the anchor doesn't move. The church loves the images of image of an anchor. Church has loved the image of an anchor in its hymnody. One of my predecessors here, Dr. John R. DeWitt, Dr. Dick DeWitt, loved this hymn, the My Anchor Holds. I don't think we have it in our hymn book, but he loved this hymn. It goes, though the angry surges roll on my tempest-driven soul, I'm peaceful, for I know wildly through though the winds may blow, I have an anchor safe and sure that can evermore endure. It holds, my anchor holds, blow your wildest then, O gale, on my bark so small and frail. By His grace I shall not fail, for my anchor holds, my anchor holds. That's what an anchor does. It holds us. And so John says that we will be blessed. That, uh, that's his word for peace. That the peace that we have in Jesus Christ holds us no matter what comes. John tells us that this peace is for us now. Translators have difficulty with this phrase. I mean, it says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. We don't know exactly what that means, but we know what it can't mean. It can't mean that we are only going to be blessed now for dying in the Lord, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob weren't blessed. That can't be true. We know from Hebrews 11 that they were blessed in the Lord, that He took care of them in death, that they had life after death. He blessed them to bring them to Himself. If the translators aren't sure what it means, then I may as well add my ignorance to it. Here's what I think it means. It means we have peace now. We have peace now. There is peace now even for those who are going to die in the Lord. It's not hard to make that case from the book of Revelation because he's talking to people who are suffering and he says, I can't, I can't tell you that, there, that peace is going to be the absence of suffering. I can't even tell you that peace is going to be the absence of death. What I can tell you is that there is a peace so profound that it is deeper, it is stronger, it holds you even while you're suffering, even while you're dying. It is the peace 
of God in Jesus Christ. John Knox, we could say he's the founder of Presbyterianism, father of the Reformation in Scotland. We must love him in this church because we have quotes from him and pictures of him all over the church. There's a quote right here in front of my pulpit. You must preach as a dying man to dying men. John Knox said on his deathbed, I want you to read from me from where I cast my first anchor. Everybody knew that was John 17, that high priestly prayer of Jesus, which includes words like this, I don't pray, Father, that you take them out of the world. I pray that you protect them from evil while they're in it. And I pray that you protect them from evil while they're in it because I want them to be with me where I am. That's the kind of peace that Jesus promises to those who die in Him. You only die in Him by taking Him as your Lord and Savior before you die. It's to receive Him as a free gift this very moment, to accept His free offer of salvation in exchange for your sin. You take Him as your Savior. Lord Jesus, save me from the evil of this world, from the sin of my own heart. Save me from the suffering that would cause me to buckle under the pressure, save me, Lord. He will do it. And when you know Him as your Savior, you will have peace that is more profound than suffering, even than death. But John promises us something more in this passage from Revelation 14. Not only is there peace right now, there is peace for then. There's peace for the future. Amen, says the Spirit, the old version says. Amen to that. Blessed are they who die in the Lord right now. There is peace for them now. Amen. Because they will rest from their labors and their works will follow them. They will be blessed. They will be at peace as they think about the future because the future promises rest from all their labors. Yes, first of all, from their labors to earn their righteousness, to earn more favor with God. When you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, He takes away your sins. He makes you a child. He substitutes for your sin His righteousness, and you rest from all further attempts to make Him love you more. Those who know the peace of God now found in Christ alone may know rest from trying to earn salvation. There's another sense to that promise of rest from their labors. We will rest from our labors. This is hard, toiling work to live for the kingdom, to take up your cross daily and bear it for Christ. And there is coming a day when we will rest, when we will lay our burden down, and Jesus will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You may rest here for all of eternity. But there is further peace, not only because we'll rest from our labors, but because our labors will follow on. Those of you who are thinking that you have to get a certain number of things done before you die, here's your comfort. 
You live for Christ today. And the works that He does through you now will be planted in good soil and will live on after you die. That's the promise of the Bible. You will be given, he says, when I, when I graft you into the vine in John 15, I will give you, I will do through you, I will, I will promote my life through you in such a way that your fruit, the fruit of your life will last beyond your death. Hebrews 11, as we mentioned before, and Hebrews another place where it says our anchor holds in Christ. But in chapter 11, he says that Abel, one of those who died in the Lord long before Christ came, Abel who was murdered by his brother out of jealousy because he believed in the Lord. He made a sacrifice as a future testimony of that coming Messiah who would come and shed his blood for him. Abel died as a martyr for that faith. And the writer of Hebrews says, though he's dead, his faith yet speaks. There is, there is peace for the future. When you're worried about, am I going to be good enough? Am I going to have what it takes to get to the end? What if I don't accomplish enough in this life? Here is peace. Jesus says, come to me right now. I'll give you rest in the realization that I am the one who works through you. And my work is so powerful, it will outlast your death. The world can't offer that kind of peace. Nothing, no one can offer that kind of peace, peace that is good for now and into the future. A storm did come on that little boat while I was there. And uh, it was one thing for me to have heard from the steward about those anchors. It was another thing when the captain of the ship came and said, let me tell you about the anchors that are holding this ship. Somehow it meant more coming from him. And then to realize I wasn't alone. That um, on that ship were a whole lot of very resourceful people. I wasn't by myself. That um, the shore wasn't that far away. There are a lot of dinghies all around our ship. And a lot of resourceful people who knew how to use it. I wasn't alone. There was greater peace because of that anchor. Yesterday for several hours, I was without peace. There was a peace outage in my soul. And uh, it's nothing uh, uh, out of the ordinary. Don't overthink it. You've experienced this kind of lack of peace, this source of it. It's just basically the realization that the, that the world is full of sin, and it affects us. And so I tried the typical coping things that the world tells us to do. So I, you know, I breathed deeply. That didn't work. And then I, uh, and then I got some fresh air. That didn't work. And I tried distraction. That didn't work. I got so desperate I even bought something. And uh, tried to change my way of thinking. You know, just think pleasant thoughts. That didn't work. 
But you know, by the time I went to sleep last night, I was at peace. You know what worked? I went to a wedding. You say, that's counterintuitive. No, it's not. When you go to somebody else's wedding, someone that they're paying for and you're not responsible for it, I can tell you there's a lot of peace in that. But that wasn't what really caused, brought me peace. What brought me peace was the Word was preached. Todd preached the Word. The captain of my soul, the anchor, the Lord Jesus Christ told me, I am the Christ. All will be well. And I was surrounded in this sanctuary by a lot of you, by my brothers and sisters who sang hymns of the faith, and then fellowship after that. Just that combination. The Word of God, Jesus speaking through it, in the community of worship. It's profound. What does it have to do with this text? Everything. Because John is writing this text in Revelation 14. He's writing it as a letter. It's read by all the preachers in the surrounding congregations in the context of worship. And he's saying, look, listen to Jesus who tells you, I am your anchor. You're not alone. I'm the one fulfilling my promises in you. I have you. And I've surrounded you with the people of God to remind you you're not alone. They're full of resources called the divine weapons of the means of grace. We've learned how important that is, haven't we? As we have been prevented many times throughout the past year of coming together. Zoom can't duplicate that. We're grateful for those resources. There's nothing so profound as being among the people of God and hearing Jesus speak His Word to you as He has done this morning. Blessed are they, even those who die, blessed are they because they die in the Lord. Amen, says the Spirit. Write it down. They will rest from their labors for their works do follow them. Let's pray together. Our Lord Jesus, we thank You that You provide an anchor for us that is deeper than the circumstances, the feelings, the emotions, the troubles on the surface of this earthly sea. And though we lament today, though some of us are in great pain, some of us are profoundly disappointed, whatever the trials are today, with You holding us, Lord Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, we have a peace that passes all comprehension. Remind us of that peace. And for those who do not know it, have never experienced it, may they not go searching for the peace May they search for you, Lord Jesus, because you are nearby, the one who will personify that peace to them. In Jesus' name we pray. God's people said together, amen.